We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Alexander, got it! Very nice early post up by Adams working inside. Whistle and one! Alright guys, welcome to the OKC post-game podcast from the Uncontested. I'm your host today, Kamiar Moravian. Join you guys on November 29th, the day after Thanksgiving. I hope you guys got a lot of ham because turkey is garbage. You know, it's really interesting because the last time I joined you guys for a post-game podcast was against the Pelicans, roughly 27 days ago, about four weeks ago. And this time... The game is a little bit closer. OKC wins 109-104. to The Pelicans are without Zion Williamson, who they say has nothing to do with his weight, which is probably a lie because he's kind of just a fat Julius Randle. Uh, you got Lonzo Ball, which, you know, he, he's been, he's a he's a good player, big baller brand, um, but he's not anything special like his dad th- thought he was. And Rashad Favors is out for personal reasons. OKC... Andre Robertson has one leg, so it doesn't seem he's going to be playing anytime soon. And Diallo is going to be reevaluated in a while. Um, doesn't look like he's going to be playing until after the new year, which is fine. I mean, like if you want to tank, it's it. You'd rather have him out there than Nader, unless you've been watching this past game and a half. <laughs> Let's talk about themes, guys. We have lots of themes. We have players of the game. We have stock up, stock down, and. I got like 12 Twitter questions from you guys. I don't know why I got 12, but man, thank you for everybody that stayed up and sent me those questions because a lot of them are pretty good. So let's dive on into this thing. Beginning of the game starts, Steven Adams just goes at Jackson Hayes early. It's very clear Steven Adams is literally double the man that Jackson Hayes is. And Jackson Hayes is looking at Steven Adams like, it's over. 
it was clear he was outmatched. It was clear that Jackson Hayes was a much smaller man, and it was not going to happen. So, I mean, Stephen Adams, the first four minutes of the game, 10 points. And, like, you're thinking, wow, Stephen Adams is going to end up with 20 points, 25 points, just going at Jackson Hayes. And, well, he ends up with 14 and 2. Um, he really only he, he had his four points just outside of the first four minutes of the game. So, I mean, that's nothing new with Steve, right? We would say that the last couple of years, like, oh, man, Steve has eight early points. And, like, man, he, he could really have a 20, 10, uh, 20 and 10 game or 25 and 10 or 10, 25 and 15. And then they go away from him for the rest of the time. And, of course, New Orleans made some adjustments. But even when they did, Steven Adams was in there when Jackson Hayes was in there times after that. And you still wanted him to go after him, but they did not. So I thought that was weird. But it was nice to know Steven Adams could bully somebody, especially Jackson Hayes. I mean, just look at the guy. He's literally half of Steven Adams. So that was good to see him do that. Steven Adams finishes with 14 and 12 and 2. Um, really solid production from Steve. Going off of that, Abdul Nader, man. I don't know what the heck is going on, but apparently he built off what he did against Portland in garbage time. He was 19-3-2, and 4-5 from 3. And honestly, he played really well, making the passes he should have made instead of taking it to the rim and just driving and just like throwing up some crap. He actually looked the pass as well, and I was like, okay, this is not the Nader we're used to seeing. And is it an, is it an anomaly? Maybe. We don't know. Probably. Probably is. Yeah. I don't want to get your hopes up. But it's just he played really, really well. And I thought, wow, like this is the Nader that we were supposed to get last year. Lights out from the corners. Maybe he does suck on defense and that's okay. But the man is, I mean, he had a decent showing. Seven and nine from when he was in Portland. And then tonight, um, I don't, have the, I don't have his uh, field goals attempted in front of me, but again, it wasn't that much. He just, I feel really weird talking about how well Abdul Nader played because, and he also tried to end, um, oh, who do you, whose life did he try to end on one play? Um, was it Jaleel Okafor? I think, yeah, he tried to end Jaleel Okafor's life. Like, this man leaped in the air and got his head above the rim, which is not something I expected from Abdul Nader. So, good showing from Abdul Nader. Really excited for him. Maybe, maybe you know, with Diallo out, maybe with more production and maybe with more chances, he gets to do something like that. Of course, the Pelicans aren't the best team in the world, but we'll see what happens. Now we have Dennis Schroeder. And Dennis Schroeder is a really interesting guy. He's a really interesting catalyst uh, for this OKC team uh, in their wins and their losses. When he's playing well, OKC will probably play play well and win. When he's playing very poorly, it's likely OKC will be in a dogfight, or maybe not so much, and lose. So Dennis Schroeder is a, a major is a major key to this team as far as winning or losing. He had the highest plus minus out of anybody on the team today. He was at a positive twelve. His stat line was twenty five seven and two. Now. He had 24 shots, but going 11 of 24 is really nothing new for a point guard uh, regarding OKC, if you know what I mean. Um, But yeah, 11 11 of 24, not the best efficiency, but, you know, 
that's what OKC fans have been seeing for the past few years as I sip my coffee. Uh, but, I mean, when he's using his speed, and, here, and here's the deal. This is why, this is why Dennis Schroeder absolutely drives people nuts. Dennis Schroeder drives people nuts because he can be so good and he can be so bad. Yeah, it's good or bad and sometimes ugly. It's true. And so when he is taking mid-range jumpers, just running and just doing it, not passing, running to the middle of the lane, taking those jumpers and clinging those things off, yeah, it's garbage. Nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants to see a possession down on the end of the court with no passes. And it's just Dennis Shooter jacking shots. Nobody wants to see that because what we've seen from Billy Donovan's offense so far this year is that it involves a lot of swinging, lots of, and lots of off screens, uh, off ball screens, lots of screens on the ball, and honestly, a lot of Steven Adams controlling the possession, which is really nice. But, and nobody wants to see Dennis Shooter walk up and be like, well, yeah, I'm just going to take this shot. No, like, why? You're not a shooter. That's not what you are. If you're fashioning your game after Russell Westbrook, which many people said, you know, when he came to OKC, that, oh, he uh, he looks to Russell Westbrook a lot for like his style of play. Well, that, would, that would ring true in his love in 24. People want to see him use his attributes, which is his speed. When Dennis was getting downhill at will tonight, when he was just beating people to the rim, because there aren't that many people in the NBA faster than Dennis Shooter. I'm talking speed, not only just speed, but also quick bursts and agility. He is very quick twitch. Kind of like Russell Westbrook, Dennis Shooter has quick twitch fibers in his legs and his hamstrings that not many people in the NBA have, especially guys a little bit bigger than him. So when he's using his speed to turn that corner or just use his speed in general, I mean, it's it's unbelievable. And so we saw that in the second half. We saw that in the second half of this game to where Dennis Schroeder was not worried about the mid-range game. He was just getting to the cup. Which brings me into my, my next point is Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Shavante Gilgis-Alexander. And, you know, he doesn't have the best game. He goes 4-13 from the field. His stat line is 10-3-2 with four turnovers. So he has more turnovers than he has assists. Honestly, because people are kind of really hanging him out to dry right now. It doesn't make any sense. I don't think there's anything wrong with Shea. I simply think, and I was talking about this with Jacob. uh, Jacob Niffin, Thundermop, 405 the Capitan of the podcast. This man's been covering the Blue Games like crazy. Uh, We're going to be in the Thunder Arena pretty soon, so that's exciting. But anyways, I was talking to him the other day, uh, and and I really really don't think, and we said this, we really don't think there's anything wrong with Shea. Um, Simply just think defenses are adjusting to him and causing him to have to give up the ball. Because, you know, the first games of the season, you know, people are filling you out. People are figuring out what you can do. Uh, we went through this last year, went through this year before with Oklahoma City rookies and stuff like that, like Hamadou Diallo. His first games in the season last year, people were like, man, this guy's actually a pretty good player. And once people realized he couldn't jump shoot, people said, oh, never mind, he's not that great. Shea, he's still a really good player. 10-3-2, I mean, that's still good. 4-13 from the field, yikes. 
he's got to get better at that. He ha- he has to get better. But part of that is him going to the going to the rim, getting mugged and not getting any sort of calls. If this man gets any sort of calls, just like some predecessors in L.A. or guys that he's been around the league, or even like an Andrew Wiggins, he gets 17 points easy, 17-3-2, which is still respectable, but not where you want him to be right now. You want to be higher. But at the same time, we have to remember, he's still a second-year player. The de- defenses are adjusting to him, causing him to have to give up the ball. And that's good. That means he is something special. But at the same time, is you want him you want him to go through these struggles because he has he has the luxury of giving it to a Dennis Schroeder who's a starting level point guard. He has the luxury of giving it to a Danilo Gallinari who's a, you know a really great power forward. He has the luxury of giving it to Chris Paul who's made several All Star teams in his life. So he doesn't have that innate thought of oh I have to make it work. He has three or four other guys he can give it to and be just fine. And so later on in the season, when maybe those things aren't as prevalent, when he is one of the two guys or one of the only one guy, we'll see what happens. But we just I just think defenses are adjusting to him, and they're figuring out his game, and they're just making life hell on him and making other guys like Abdul Nader and other guys on the floor make shots. I really don't think there's anything wrong other than they're playing him a little tougher. He's probably one or two. Like before the season started, he might have been, what, number three or four on team scouting reports, CP3, Danilo Gallinari, uh, Steven Adams, and then Shea, maybe somewhere around there. And now you better believe he's number one because if this, if this man's filling up the cup, 24, 5, and 3, you know, something like that, 24 and 2, whatever he's been throwing out there, uh, yeah, he's going to be high on the scouting report because he's the most dynamic athlete uh, on the team right now as far as how special he is, how lanky he is, how he can handle the ball, change of transition, tra- change of motion. It's its unbelievable. Donovan said this outside of the game after the game. He says he's happy that Shea Gilchrist-Alexander struggled. He explains, and this is Donovan speaking, I want to see him play well every game, but it's really healthy for his growth. The struggle he's going through will serve him well. I was happy with the way he responded tonight, even though it wasn't a great shooting night. And Shea did other things that don't go in the box score, especially in the third and fourth quarters, notably in the fourth quarter when it was winning time, where that, you know, he would bat a ball from a rebound to make a defensive rebound instead of offensive rebound, deflecting the ball, uh, just doing the big time things that are small details. You can't be successful in the NBA if you're gonna just focus on large things and what you should do. You have to focus on the details. All good teams, all good players, all good entities, in the end, they focus on the details. And that's what Shea Gilchrist-Alexander does. And that's what's going to make him a very good player. I don't think he's going to be a superstar in the NBA, but I do think He's going to be a very, very good player. He may make a couple all-star games, but I think he's somebody's Pippen. I think that OKC, if they do draft a superstar in the next you know, five, six years, Shea Gilgis-Alexander will be a very, very nice piece to that. I don't think he will be a superstar, but again, I could be wrong. It's literally the beginning of his second year in the NBA. There could be so many more things happening for him, but he does a lot of things well, 
and I'm proud of I'm proud of him, proud of that. Uh, I'm proud of what he's been putting on the floor night in and night out. Well, third quarters. Third quarters for the OKC Thunder. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Yep, seems like that, does, doesn't it, all the time. OKC, they give up 26 and 27 points in their first and second quarters. That's pretty good. Then they get beat in the third quarter. It's not necessarily that they give up 31 points. They did. They give up 31 points. That's not the issue I have, though. It's they lost the third quarter 31 to 17 and really put them in a hole for the fourth quarter with creating a lot of opportunity for the New Orleans Pelicans. And it's just like, what what is the deal here? I mean, it, I, I don't get it. And of course, the other teams are making adjustments. The Thunder's making adjustments too. Is it an energy thing? Do they just come out flat every time? We've seen this before with the Thunder. They've done this several times before. It's not new. But it sucks. It's not it's not normal to say, but at the same time, no, it is pretty normal. It's just it's it's the worst. You can't you can't really you can't really put a name on it, can't put a reason on why the Thunder's woes happened in the third quarter other than maybe lack of energy. Uh, Billy Donovan's always calling early timeouts in the third quarter, but let me tell you guys, Brandon Ingram, Brandon Ingram is a dude. Oh, gosh. Him in L.A., I thought, man, he's a bust. 100% a bust. He got out of L.A. This man is It's allowing him to become what he was meant to be. Uh, he's meant to be a first option, put a team on his back, uh, really making some tough shots that many other people in the NBA can't make. It's really forcing him to become the player that a lot of us thought he would be, which is like a Kevin Durant light. And I'm not saying he'll ever be there, but I'm saying he's on his way to becoming something pretty special in the Western Conference. And him getting away from LeBron James, him basically it being his team. I know people want to say, well, it's Drew Holiday's team. No, this this is Aunt Brandon Ingram's team. Uh, he's the guy that is putting the team on his back week in and week out, and being the guy that's scoring, and if he goes out, that entire team goes to hell. So he's a good dude, really, really great performer. Um, you like to see that. You like to see a guy flourish after getting away from LeBron, to be quite frank. And on we get to CP3, another theme. The man shot the ball nine times, and he was in foul trouble. Uh, six of them were threes, though. Why? No, but really, why? It doesn't make sense why this man's supposed to be a facilitator of the offense, and he shoots the ball nine times, and six of them are threes, and he only makes one of them, by the way, and was a pull-up and transition, and it had nothing to do with being set open or in the flow of the offense whatsoever. <clears throat> uh, he's 7-5-6, and six, and quite frankly, um, his attitude is strange. Like he, I'm not saying like he has an attitude, but his personality is strange maybe that's what I meant and like after wins he's angry seems like and after losses of course at CP3 he seems upset he wants to win all the time and buddy if you're gonna get in foul trouble if you're gonna go seven five and six and really score under 20 points and not assist the ball as much as you should um you know that's on him and like we all know it's no mystery that Chris Paul wants to get out of OKC now, he hasn't made that sentiment clear to my knowledge and to many other people's knowledge. He hasn't been a cancer in the locker room about it. But if you want to get out of OKC and contend for titles, 
Seven, five, and six is not going to do it. If you want to be traded, they need to perform like it. It's that simple for CP3, and he just he'll have a good, he'll have a really great game, one game here or there, and then he'll have like two or three games that are kind of like, well, that's yeah, that's why nobody wants that contract. And so it, it's it's confusing um, as to what triggers him and what makes him have a great night and what doesn't. Um, whereas you know, every night with with Shea, you know what you're gonna get. Now whether or not he actually makes the shots is something else, but you know what you're getting with Shea. You know you're going to get with Baisley. You know you're going to get with Gallinari. You, for the most part, Gallinari had a bad game against uh, the Blazers. But other than that, he had, he's had a great season. You know you're going to get with pretty much a lot of other people on the team, except Nader, by the way. But you do not know what you're going to get with Chris Paul. He could be great. He could be fascinating. He could really control the offense, or he could be just garbage. You just don't know. And then you get to the OKC fourth quarter. They're down eight, but they don't give up. You have to admire that. Um, you really, really got to admire the way OKC plays. You really got to admire that they don't give up. They're full of guys that still want to win. It's not like, well, yeah, we're going to tank and get the best slaughter yards that even in a game like the Golden State Warriors, where they should have lost, um, they came back like 12, 13 down and pulled it out. And same thing here. I mean, they could have just given up getting down eight or nine with Brandon Ingram looking unstoppable. And you know what? They just they kept on going at it. Dennis Shooter is a big part of that. But also, I mean, a couple other things going on with Shea, his defense, and Chris not being on the floor, quite frankly. And um, you have to admire it that they don't give up. And that's something that Thunder fans can really be happy about. But let's go to the stock up, stock down portion of this podcast brought to you guys by blocks y'all got blocks nerland's got blocks for you he hosted a block party that was an unofficial ad read you're welcome stock up steven adams i know it's weird 10 and 14 and 2 but he started the season and people said man steve sucks he was not playing to his caliber but lately he's been playing like old steve getting high blocking Okay, he's not Mitch McGarry. Getting high on his jumps, blocking shots, really anchoring that defense, and really setting some gnarly screens and really controlling the offense, a lot more authority, getting to the bucket, getting the rim, and controlling the airwaves like that. Been really good good, good for him, really happy for him. Um, it feels, feels really nice. And we all know he has that next level. Again, the man scored 10 points in four minutes, albeit it was against Jackson Hayes, who he was bodying the entire time. But you know he has it. At one point, he literally f- had a face-up game. It wasn't back to the basket. He looked up, saw Jackson Hayes standing there, and said, Oh, shit, this is mine. I'm going to body bag this kid. And he went right at him. And Jackson Hayes was like, Come on, man. Like, like, Jackson Hayes was not about that life. But we have to get to the stock down. <laughs> My stock down, Deontay Burton, man. Deontay Burton. We clamored all year so far and said, put in Burton over Nader. He's got to be better. And what Nader showed me today in the second half of yesterday is that, okay, maybe Nader might be better. Maybe I should probably trust the coaches that look at them and evaluate them on a daily basis. Maybe I should do that. Maybe. But... 
Deontay looked so good last year, and Nader's looked so bad. And maybe, again, this is an anomaly from Nader, but at the same time, it's Nader has the ability to spot up shoot. And, like, if all indications are clear, if all indications are, like, legitimate as far as what players have been saying over the summer and how Nader looks really good, keep that man in the corner. If he shoots threes and makes them, great. Whereas Deontay Burton... He's a hustle guy, um, and you would much rather have probably Diallo in there. I don't. I don't think. I don't think it's a problem. I think that's a yes. And quite frankly, I'm to the point where I would less want to see Deontay Burton, and I would more want to see Lou Dort. Um, because part of what made Deontay special was he's he was incredibly thick last year, and he just went downhill and. He trimmed up a bit, which I think really isn't tarnish his ability, but it certainly made him special last year. And uh, that might be something that may be keeping him off the floor as Lou Dort. Gosh, the guy is a muscle with legs. And he also gets downhill and he has better ball handling skills. He can get to the rim better. Um, he wants to play tough defense. He just hasn't gone up against NBA players yet. And he might be getting that spot. In the second half of the year, I don't think OKC is going to sign anybody when they trade away a couple guys. I think they're going to call up guys from the blue like Lou Dort. So stock down Deontay Burton. Also, maybe a little bit of SGA because he hasn't been that great. But like I said, I think he's just going through some struggles because teams are now game planning for him, which that's the first time in his career he's had to deal with it. And now we're going to go to our key moments of the game. Oh yeah, that's some good music. Moments of the game. I said moments with an S on purpose because I couldn't just limit myself to one. It's really honestly three plays, but one of the two are connected. It's a series, and then there's another one that I just love in my entire life. So the first moment, um, or moments, momentum, momenta, momento. Uno momento for my momentum. Okay, anyways, I'm drinking coffee, I promise. Schroeder, down the stretch of the fourth quarter, crosses over J.J. Redick, and J.J. Redick is staring at the bucket, and Schroeder's staring at J.J. Redick's back and also the bucket. It was unbelievable. He crossed J.J. out of his shoes. J.J.'s looking the other way. Schroeder still has the ball behind him. Unbelievable. And... Nothing but the bottom of the freaking bucket. And then, on the other end of the court, not that long later, Jada's going to the rim, slicing to the rim, and Nerlens gets up and swats that crap so hard. As you can tell, I'm having too much fun with these sounders. Um, they're probably never going to let me do a solo podcast ever again. But yeah, man, that series of J.J. Redick just getting demolished was great. And then, of course, the Kiwi slam to ice the game. You'll love to see it. I mean, OKC's up, I think, three at the time. And Kiwi slam, dude, just like he gets the rebound or whatever, and he gets he's underneath the basket and just one-hands it on Jaw's head. 
he just absolutely kills Julio Okafor. So, yeah, there's that. But I think it's time for uh, some Twitter questions, man. And I got several. So, uh, let's go. So, we've got at Clark Matthews, who's a great guy, um, even though one time in pickup, he accidentally kicked my ring finger on my right hand, and it's never felt the same, and I can't ever pop that finger anymore. So, there you go. He says, Adams had an awesome finish. Prior to that, he disappeared after he checked out in his dominant first quarter. Why can't he bring it for a full game? I don't think it's on him, honestly. I think part of it is he might still be having an issue with his knee or something um, because Billy Donovan kept him out of the game for seemingly a long time when Jackson Hayes went in there and he could have dominated again in the second quarter. And I felt like Steven Adams had a large absence from the first quarter to the halftime after he came out. So I, I think the team goes away from him, and I, I just absolutely hate it because they literally, you know, I mean, the first quarter they were dumping it down to him because they knew he was going to go at Jackson Hayes. The next one comes from Oscar Panate from at Oscar A. Panate. I think I said that right. Who would you like to see finish the last two minutes of the game? Any person you rely on shooting a game winner for us? Who would I like to see finish the last two minutes of the game? Um, oh, so you might be thinking starting five. Well, give me, I would like Chris Paul. I would like SGA. Honestly, give me the starters. Chris Paul, SGA, Ferg. I do not want Dennis Schroeder in there. Um, Danilo Gallinari and, of course, Steven Adams. And if I want somebody to take a game winner, it's been, it, it's it's one of two guys. Um, and the, the second guy I name off might will be getting these opportunities in the second half of the season, but I want Danilo Gallinari taking that shot, or I want SGA. Um, I think Shea Gilgis is going to get a lot more opportunity in the second half of the season when half these guys are gone, and he really turns into the man in the second half of the season, especially with Gallinari out. There's going to be a lot more weight per, uh, placed upon his shoulders, so that's who I'd like to see. Jonathan Mitchell from at John underscore Mitchell 3 says, How tall should the Nader, should the Nader statue be in front of the peak? Um, half the size of Russ's statue. How about that? There we go. Another one from John, but it's John Edwin 755. Shooter with 24 field goal attempts? Yeah, uh, we've seen that before from a Thunder point guard. It's going to be one from that one. This one is from... Stan SGA, hashtag SGA for SGA, Hunter Harjo 7, says, does this game solidify Nader as one of the top five greatest players of all time? Well, yes, it does. Um, we should actually give him the number 35. It might make it even better. Next question is from Optimistic Thunderbolt OKC and Celtics fan at OKC Celtics says, if we can resign, then... Them to a team-friendly deal, would we keep Steven Adams and Dennis Schroeder? Young guys who can benefit from having talented veterans who are still relatively young. Um, I think you might re-sign Steven Adams to a team-friendly deal or a more friendly deal for the team. Um, I think you want to give Schroeder away. He's a point guard. He's a starting-level point guard. He's not going to want to stay a six-man for long. He's trying to get out of OKC, so no. Um, not Schroeder, but definitely I would love to see Adams be the Nick Collison of this group. Would be wonderful. Um, Jarrell Gardner, Gardner, at Jarrell Gardner, I think I said that right. Thoughts on Nader tonight? 
MVP. Uh, next question is from Acupan, the Acupan or Occupan, Abdel Nader. Abdul Nader, excuse me. MVP? Yes. The next question is from Nate Ostrowski at Nate underscore 027. Is the lack of Shay's production due to not having enough opportunity or is he just not being aggressive enough? I think I addressed this. I think, you know, it might be a little bit of both. Um, I think part of it is that he's having the ball forced from his hands, but also, honestly, Dennis Schroeder and CP3 like having the ball in their hands a little bit more lately, it seems as if. And then and in the first part of the season, it seems that, that Shea had the ball a lot more. Uh, and it also feels like the defense is scouting him a lot harder and making him give up the ball. And part of me is saying, maybe he's not being aggressive enough, but also he's being he's already being aggressive, getting to the rim. He's not really finishing, but also he's getting mugged a lot of the time, and he's just not getting the call, fall calls. So I think there's a lot of things that go into that. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I think he's being fine. I think he's struggling just because teams are scouting him harder, and I think he'll get better because of that. That's what you want to see. The next question is, or, yeah, the next statement, I guess, is from Geis at 913. Then the 9, that there's a number 9 in place of an O, so don't know. It says Schroeder is... The greater than symbol, three times SGA. I feel like you're trolling because that's so not true. Um, Shooter has no shot in his arsenal. He His best his best uh, attribute is getting to the rim really, really quick. Um, if Rudy Gobert's back there, he's in some trouble because teams are going to let him shoot all day. Um, he's kind of he's similar to Russ in the way he plays. Except Russ uh, will actually get the foul call, but Dennis will actually probably finish the free throws. Um, but SGA, he's a bigger athlete. He has more of a change of pace in his game. Yes, as his as SGA is really slower. Um, yeah, uh, does SGA can S, is SGA a little bit slower in general? Yeah, but is SGA a lot more crafty? Yes. Um, is he longer? Is he a better athlete? Yes. Can he play positions one through three? Yes, um, and he is a better shot at the three-pointer at a higher clip. So, I mean, I know you're messing with me, with me, but still, it's uh, it's a little bit crazy that you would say that. I think, but I'm pretty sure you're joking. So, but yeah, that. Thank you guys for the Twitter questions, and really appreciate it. Honestly, guys, thanks for being a part of the podcast. Thanks for listening to us every day. It's just another post-game podcast, and, you know, yesterday was Thanksgiving, and if you're into football, you saw the Cowboys lose, which is hilarious, um, but thank you guys for being a part of the podcast. Thank you guys for seeing us grow. Like, we started this thing, it seems like, two years ago or a year ago, and we've just grown so much, and it's getting to the point where now Jacob is getting to the point where we can go go cover you guys um, OKC Thunder games and get more meaningful quotes for you guys and get a little more inside the 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 program or the institution whatever you want to call the thunder team um so we're very thankful for you guys following us um and with that said i'd be eternally grateful and thankful in the season if you guys went to itunes and dropped us a five-star review it's pretty simple y'all just go open the podcast app or go down scroll down tap the fifth star and review and even say hey Kamiar did an amazing job of that podcast and dropping all those sounders while also drinking his coffee and water at the same time while being sick. Hey, you know, 
I'm, I'm not saying you should do it, but I'm saying maybe, you know, just throwing that out there. But again, thank you guys. If you like the podcast, follow that too. You can follow me at Cameron CCM. Really appreciate you guys. The next game is against Pelicans again, I believe Sunday, and that's also group pod day. So last but not least, guys, we'll check you guys later in Thunder Up. <laughs>